my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 291. Uh, today's episode's fun. We're going to talk about Tom Brady, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll talk about Jimmy Butler, my affinity for him, the Miami Heat. We'll do a preview of the NFL's week five. We'll end the show with a lengthy Ask Zach segment. Uh, today's episode is not going to cover college football. Uh, it is Saturday. It's, a, it's 3 o'clock, and uh, I'm, I've only watched one of the games that I want to cover. I'm going to wait to do them all at one time tomorrow. Uh, the Red River, Red River rivalry game was incredible. Oklahoma, Texas. Uh, we'll talk about Florida, Texas a That's all tomorrow. I want to start to do a two common, not common, but two complaints I have. Number one, took Flonase like an hour ago. It's where you, you shoot the stuff up your nose. Uh, it's supposed to help you like breathe and make it easier. I think it's making my nose worse. It's just weird. We have it. There's this ongoing saga with my nose where I can't smell anything and I can't breathe out my nose. And I took Flonase and I felt worse. And I'm like, I don't understand how that's possible. Someone said, hey, try Flonase. I did. Not fun. Uh, I don't know why. And we'll see. I'm going to keep trying it. Be patient because I know that like not everything should work immediately. But I'm like, ah, I think I actually got worse when I took Flonase. Number two, why is it that – and this is a <laughs> stupid complaint. You're like, where are the sports? I want to start with this, though, because why is it that when you pull out a brand-new roll of toilet paper, this, like, dandruff falls off, this, like, flakes of fiber falls off the outside – of the toilet paper roll. If, as, you, you know, as you use the toilet paper and you go into the inner layers like an onion, you peel it back, the inner layers of the toilet roll, toilet paper roll, don't have this like flaky stuff that falls off, the white little fibers of toilet paper. Why is it that the outer layer does that? I, don't, I hate it. It makes a mess every time. I'm like super, super detailed about little clutter. Like I hate that stuff. And it's like my OCD, it drives me nuts every time you pull out a new toilet paper roll and you're like, what are these little fibers of nonsense? I hate it so much. Now, I apologize. I know you're like, I want to hear sports. I just, I wonder, is anybody else out there have that same problem as me? Where you pull out the toilet paper roll, it's brand new, and there's just flaky stuff falling off. I'm like, I, I hate this so much. So give me feedback. Let me know. Let me know if I'm alone. Uh, I honestly, I hope you're doing well today. I want to start by talking about the Buccaneers and the Bears. I guess water first, because that's very important, and my nose is going crazy. So, on Thursday night, the Chicago Bears beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 20-19. to It was a very interesting game. I enjoyed it. I watched the entire game, as I always do. And Nick Foles, the Bears quarterback, was fine. He was good enough to win. Um, I stand by everything I've said previously about him, which is that he's going to make mistakes. Nick Foles is not perfect. He's also better than Mitchell Trubisky. And it's kind of weird to me. Bears fans were patient with Mitchell Trubisky. For over four years, and yet after a game and a half, you know, not you know, going into this week, people already wanted to get rid of Nick Foles. And I'm like, how can you be so weirdly patient for over four years with a terrible quarterback? Then you get Nick Foles and you want to throw him away immediately. I don't understand. Please, Bears fans, be patient. I, like, going into this year, Nick Foles had a crazy offseason, no practice. He's still getting to know his guys. You saw the timing against the Colts and went, Oh, it's literally just, it's not that he's not accurate. He just doesn't know where his, where his receivers are going to be. So every time I watch Nick Foles play quarterback for the Chicago Bears, he looks a little bit better. I've, you know, this is now, he's played three games in a row. 
I guess not entire games, but two and a half, played in three games in a row. And slowly but surely, Nick Foles is getting better. He's cleaning things up. And I'm excited to watch Nick Foles grow and get better as the year goes on. I think he's truly in a decent position to succeed. I mean, last year at the Jacksonville Jaguars, bad roster, not a great staff. I went, I don't, I feel pretty bad for Nick Foles. This year, it's a little better. And I would argue that since he won a Super Bowl, this is the best situation to succeed. Nick Foles has been in in a long time. He's got a coach who knows him, who likes him. Uh, There's a really cool moment where Nick Foles is on the sideline, excitedly, passionately grilling Matt Nagy, that coach, saying, like, you can see in his face, he's yelling, and Matt Nagy's not arguing. They're just, he's just listening, and that's healthy feedback I really like. I've never seen any moment like that from Mitchell Trubisky where Trubisky was passionately telling something to his coach, and the coach valued what he had to say and was listening to him. I think Nick Foles is, he brings more to the offense than Trubisky ever did, and so I'm just encouraging you, please relax. Give Nick Foles time to get better. I'm pretty sure he will. And he's already through three games, you know, two and a half, getting better every time I watch the guy play. Now he's got a long break ahead of him, time to really prepare for the next because they play Thursday night. That's an extra one, two, three, I guess four days of preparation to get ready for their next opponent. I feel very good about Nick Foles. Not great. He's a good, not great quarterback. He's good enough for now. He can win you some games. He's going to make ugly mistakes, but he can throw the ball pretty well. And I feel very good moving forward about Nick Foles. Now, Jimmy Graham, the tight end for the Bears, had another touchdown in this game. He now has four touchdowns in the first five weeks of the NFL season. And the Bears gave Jimmy Graham a really big contract, and most people, myself included, went, ah, it's a terrible contract. I don't, I don't like that. Because Jimmy Graham is not the same athlete he once was. He can't run as well. It was funny going into the, was it the, the Colts game? Some linebacker was like, you know, the way you guard Jimmy Graham is not anything special. You just guard him with a linebacker. And that's, for the most part, true. You know, Jimmy Graham is not a, I said, did I say Nick Foles? My point is, the, for the most part, Jimmy Graham is not a long, deep threat. He can't run as well as he used to. However, Jimmy Graham has found a really nice kind of role with the Bears this year, where in the red zone, he is their guy. Again, he's not really stretching the field, but in the red zone, they're finding him a good matchup and throwing him the ball. And what that does is, A, it gets some touchdowns. When you say, hey, our guy can outjump your guy, we're going to throw a jump ball to Jimmy Graham, it's worked a lot this year. If you've been watching the Bears, it's actually very successful. Number two, though, is it forces teams to find a better matchup. If you got to put a better defender on Jimmy Graham, it makes it easier for Allen Robinson and other people on the Bears' offense. So I really like how the Bears have used Jimmy Graham so far this year. I think they found a way. They paid Jimmy Graham a lot, but they're getting touchdowns, and it's actually helping their offense. It's kind of weird. It's unconventional. I, I wouldn't have gone, yeah, give Jimmy Graham a ton of money and throw him jump balls, but actually it's working. And so to their credit, Chicago, uh, they're not using Jimmy Graham conventionally, but they're using him in a way that works for him. And it's good for everybody. Everybody's succeeding. Everybody's winning there. And I like it. Now, Corderell Patterson is a receiver slash running back slash athlete for the Chicago Bears. And I want to say this about him because I almost never, ever watch a kickoff return. I never do. I, I watch, I record games. Either I watch the film or watch them, you know, on my DVR. I just fast forward through the commercials and usually the kickoff as well because kickoffs are boring and they're usually touchbacks. Corderell Patterson makes me watch. The Chicago Bears are one of the rare teams where 
I watch them do kickoffs. I watch their kickoff returns because the dude will catch a ball eight yards deep in the end zone and run it 46 yards for a big return. It's kind of crazy. So uh, shout out to Corderell Patterson. I hope I'm saying his first name right. I know it's Patterson. I hear Cordell. I hear Corderell. It's spelled Corderell. I have no idea how to say his name, but I want to give him credit because I really enjoy watching the dude run back kick returns, and uh, I like the way the Bears use him as well. I really like what the Bears are doing. Um, Now, I want to talk about the Buccaneers because, first of all, number one, the final possession for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. First of all, Vita Vea, I guess it was the final, second-to-last possession for the Chicago Bears, to be more clear, but right at the end of the game, like two minutes left. Vita Vea broke his ankle out for the year. It's not, not fun. It's very unfortunate. Now, Tom Brady was okay in this game. Tom Brady, the longtime NFL quarterback, the new quarterback for the Buccaneers, the veteran guy, won a bunch of Super Bowls. It was kind of disappointing because the Buccaneers had the ball not once but twice at the end of the game, and they couldn't deliver a good, sustaining, game-winning drive. I was waiting and waiting, and it never happened. And then there was a moment where Tom Brady, and he denied it, but I— like, that's him saving face, in my opinion. It's pretty clear he lost track of what down it was on the final possession for the Buccaneers. He didn't realize it was fourth down. I think he would have played it differently, threw the ball way downfield on fourth down rather than trying to find just a first down. And uh, I, I just look at the Buccaneers and go, hmm. I mean, they had 11 penalties on offense, and not on offense, but 11 penalties as a team in that game. And right now... The Buccaneers are struggling with detail. They really are having a hard time with the little fine nuances you have to perfect. And for me, that's surprising to see that going on for a team Tom Brady is involved with. I don't really know how you look at Tom Brady right now and not also think, man, Tom is missing the structure of his old team, the New England Patriots. And my belief is that Tom Brady left the Patriots because... He wanted to feel appreciated. He wanted a lot of money, and they weren't going to give it to him, which I think was right given their situation. And Brady also realized he needed and wanted better receivers, better offensive weapons around him. Now, I want to explain, too, that Tom Brady was my favorite athlete growing up. He was an inspiration to me. I loved him. I really liked that Tom Brady was never the biggest or the fastest or the most talented because I also never was. I'm a short, like I'm I'm 5'11". I'm not the fastest or the strongest. I'm always pretty average as an athlete. And I look at Tom Brady and said, wow, the reason why he succeeds is he's very good at the things he can control, the fine nuance and details of the game. His work ethic and attention to detail made him into a great Super Bowl winning quarterback. Now, so again, love Tom Brady, favorite player of all time, had a poster of him as a kid, loved him. Now, when Tom Brady and the Patriots broke up, I was kind of surprised because what I found out was that since then, I've actually been more interested in the Patriots. There was like a gravitational pull that Bill Belichick has, and I am just pulled to the Patriots. You know, when the year started and as the year has started, I have talked about Bill Belichick more. I've talked about the Patriots a lot more. I've paid more attention to the Patriots than I have the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. I guess in the breakup, I chose Bill Belichick not Tom Brady, which I never, ever would have expected. And the Patriots are so good at attention to detail. And partly because of that, they are the best in the league at getting 
the most out of their players. And so because of that, almost nobody leaves New England and gets better. You just don't see very many people go, we're going to leave the Patriots to find a new team and get better. It just uh, even, even guys who make a ton of money, they were more productive with the Patriots because the Patriots understand how to get the most out of their guys. And I think Tom Brady had to leave the Patriots. The Buccaneers gave him way more money, and they gave him better receivers than the Patriots would have given him. So I think Tom had to leave. But unfortunately, when I watch Tom Brady play for the Buccaneers, I am reminded of Joe Montana. Joe Montana dominated with the 49ers for years. He was an incredible quarterback, won Super Bowls, built a dynasty in San Francisco. And when it became his time to leave the 49ers, he went to Kansas City, played two more years there. He never won a Super Bowl. He had a good run, though. They made the playoff twice. And uh, that's kind of what I believe is going to happen to Tom Brady here, where he's going to have a few good years, a couple playoff appearances, but never win a Super Bowl. Kind of run out and hit a ceiling because of his age, because of the system he's in, because of the people around him. And the Buccaneers right now are not a team that I believe can beat anybody in a key playoff game, let alone win a Super Bowl. They are not disciplined enough to do that. They make too many mistakes. They are all over the place. Guys, I mean, literally you have people... You had an offensive lineman headbutting people. You have personal fouls everywhere. Tom Brady misses the structure and the culture of his former team, the New England Patriots. I mean, that's just – and whether he in his heart misses it or not, watching him, I went, man, he would really benefit from more structure around him. Even if he likes his new receivers. I mean, Tom Brady, what the Patriots gave him is something he sorely is missing right now in Tampa Bay. Now, the NFC South moving forward is very, very interesting. You have the New Orleans Saints. You have the Buccaneers. Currently, the Saints play Monday Night Football. They're 2-2. Two and two. They might be 3-2 and two after this week. Then you'd have two teams, the Buccaneers and the Saints, 3-2 and two in that division. It's going to be a fun, exciting race. Tom Brady versus no, Drew Brees. Saints versus Buccaneers. Who can win that division? I have no idea. But I, I right now... If I ever, I don't really, I never think, I don't think I ever bought any stock into saying, man, the Buccaneers are going to win the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. But if I ever did, let me tell you, I'm selling it all right now. I just, what I see from the Buccaneers right now is not a team that has the structure or discipline or attention to detail to beat a great team in the playoffs and win a Super Bowl. All right. I, uh, I want to shift to the NBA real quick. And you may not be a gigantic NBA fan, but I hope you listen to this topic because there is a player right now in the NBA doing something awesome, and it deserves a lot of recognition. I don't think a lot of people are giving him the recognition he deserves. So I'll start with this, though. The Miami Heat, the, the what am I saying? Can't even talk. <laughs> um, the Miami Heat won... Game five of the NBA Finals, they beat the Lakers, uh, 111 to 108. The Lakers now lead the series two games, excuse me, three games to two. So Miami needs to win two more games to win the series. The Lakers just need to win one more elimination game. They win the NBA Finals. And a lot of people are talking right now about the fact that at the end of game five, LeBron James passed the ball at the end of the game. And that gave Danny Green a wide open three-pointer that he missed with six seconds left. And that's a pass that I want LeBron James making, actually. In that situation when you're up three games to one and Danny Green is literally wide open, that's a pass I want LeBron James to make. 
And if you go watch the tape, there are literally there are five. All five of the Miami Heat defenders are around LeBron James on the baseline. Danny Green is 15, you know, over what it was like 30 feet away <laughs> at the top of the key. Nobody around him at top of the three point line. Excuse me. Nobody within 15 feet of him wide open for a three pointer. He makes that. They win the finals like LeBron James. That's a good look. you got to make that pass. Danny Green's got to make that shot. You're wide open, dude. You make that shot. Ten out of nine out of ten, ten out of ten times you're an NBA player alone in a gym. That's a shot you have to make. And by the way, LeBron James put up 40 points in a double-double. Like, what else do you want from him? He made the right play, scored a ton of points. He's doing great at the end of the game. I don't know why people are being critical of LeBron James. It just makes no sense to me. Now, here is the story I do not want people to forget from the NBA Finals Game 5. No matter what happens in this series, whether, and I think personally, I believe the Lakers are going to go on to win this series. They got two games left to do it. I don't see the Miami Heat being able to beat the Lakers two games twice in a row in the next couple days. But we cannot forget what Jimmy Butler did in game five of the 2020 NBA playoff, NBA finals. Do not forget what happened in game five. Because Jimmy Butler showed the world why. And this is that's not what I mean, but I love Jimmy Butler. And the reasons why I love Jimmy Butler were on big display in game five on Friday night. And let me tell you, I would never, ever, 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 ever get in a fight with Jimmy Butler. And I would not recommend anybody else to get into a fight with Jimmy Butler because, and not just because he's a big human being and would knock the crap out of me. He's tenacious. He is so incredibly tenacious. He's like Rocky Balboa. His effort is hard to even quantify and put into words. I am so inspired when I watch Jimmy Butler play basketball. It is so cool to see. You may or may not remember, he went to the Philadelphia 76ers for a little while, and it didn't work. The other stars, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, they did not like Jimmy Butler. They didn't get along very well, and that's because he's a grinder. Jimmy Butler is a guy who he demands a lot from his teammates. He's kind of a workaholic. And the 76ers players were just too soft. Jimmy Butler, or what am I saying? Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, they did not want to grind. Those guys are rich. They're happy. They just want to play basketball. Now, Jimmy Butler doesn't want to just play basketball. He wants to win a championship. He is going after it. And that's why, you know, Jimmy Butler is in the finals, and those guys are at home on their couch watching the NBA finals. Jimmy Butler will do the work that nobody else is willing to do. He will work like others won't. I love that. I watch Jimmy Butler, not just in the offseason, not just what he does, but the way he plays basketball. He's a great player. He's not the best in the NBA, but he's got elite effort, and that is so hard to not root for. I love that. It's so much fun to watch, and the Miami Heat, they feed off him. Guys like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, they respect him. They listen to him. They look up to him. Duncan Robinson is an undrafted player in the NBA. He is starting in the NBA Finals partly because I think he's bought into the culture Jimmy Butler is building there, along with Eric Spolster, the head coach. And they have guys like they have people who are willing to work. Kendrick Nunn had 14 points off the bench. He had a great three-pointer that I, I loved in somebody's face. He's got rebounds. He's diving for the ball. He's doing stuff. I love watching people like Kendrick Nunn come off the bench and just give effort like crazy. Jimmy Butler 
has set the tone for this team, and it's awesome. He's grabbing rebounds. He's he got a rebound over LeBron James. Like he, the height difference is crazy. Jimmy Butler goes up and grabs that ball. He had a three pointer in Anthony Davis's face. Um, in Game Five, for context, Jimmy Butler played forty seven minutes in a forty eight minute game. <laughs> what? The dude was walking off after his interview, walking away like hobbling and limping because he's so sore and tight from playing forty seven minutes in a row of basketball. He had 35 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists. Jimmy Butler is leading his team, doing everything he possibly can. He keeps fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. And I love it. By the way, one of Miami's best players, Gordon Dragic, is out with an injury. That's their point guard. Uh, The Lakers had a 15-3 run late in the fourth quarter. The Lakers were up, by the way, in the fourth quarter. Jimmy Butler won that game with the help of his teammates. I'm not trying to discount anybody around him. But Jimmy Butler will fight and fight and fight no matter what you throw at him. And the people around him feed off that. They feed off that energy, and they bring their best as well. And the resilience and the determination from Jimmy Butler, it's incredible. I love it. I love watching it. He may lose the series, but I don't want people to forget what he did, especially in Game 5. His work ethic is incredible. He works like others simply will not. And his elite effort is why Jimmy Butler is here in this position. And I just think it deserves a little bit of recognition, a little bit of respect. I, uh, I love seeing it, man. I really, really enjoy watching Jimmy Butler play basketball. And uh, I think it's a shame that if he loses, then people are going to forget what he did and what he brought to the, the court. And uh, I just think that Jimmy Butler deserves a little bit of respect and a little bit of recognition. All right, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll do a preview for the NFL Week 5, and we will end the show with Ask Zach. By the way, before we go to break, my nose, not getting better. I can't smell anything. I can't breathe up my nose. It's not fun. Uh, I'm trying to talk and breathe at the same time. It's terrible. I don't recommend it for anybody. Um, Flonase didn't work. I don't know. Don't know what to do. Hope you're having a great day. My name is Zach Schaumler. Take a short break. I will be right All right, we are back. And uh, I want to share a little update real quick. I was talking to my girlfriend during the break, thinking about things. You know, me and Liz were talking. I'm like, you know what? Next time I record, I'm just going to take Sudafed. Like, screw it. I'm going to go to the very top of the shelf, say, I'm just going (laughs) to, what is it, like 15 bucks for like 12 pills? I don't care. I need one every time I record. I'm just going to take a Sudafed every time I record and bite the bullet and just that. I mean, that stuff is like crack. It's really dangerous because it makes you feel very, very good. But, man, does it work very, very well. So Sudafed's my new answer. As I've been thinking about it, I'm like, why am I messing around? Like I, and, by the way, to be clear, I've tried everything. I don't have dairy anymore. I, I, every trick in the book, people are, like, saying – people are commenting a lot of little remedies. I'm like, yeah, I've done all that. Like, I'm trying very hard. Nothing's working. I think Sudafed is going to have to be the answer moving forward. That'll save my nose and make it so that I can breathe while I record. That's That's the new idea for sure. Now – Let's talk about the NFL. We have now arrived at week five of the NFL season. We're going to do kind of – I want to do a preview and some predictions of what's going to happen. What I don't do, I do not predict the scores of games. I just don't. I don't know how anybody really could do that accurately. Like, how do you predict, well, the Chiefs are going to win 56 to 42 exactly, and Mahomes is going to have 300. Like, I don't, I don't do that. I don't like doing that. It's kind of stupid nonsense. Uh, what's more fun for me – 
it's predicting the overall tone of a game. So I've gotten some comments like, is this really a prediction? Yes, it is, because I'm predicting how the game is going to go generally. And I, I really enjoy making a prediction, then seeing what's right or what's wrong and kind of following up like, hey, I, I really thought the tone of the game was going to be this. Instead, it was this. or was a beatdown instead of close and interesting. So that's what I enjoy. That's what we'll do here. I want to start with this. The Jaguars at the Houston Texans. I love Gardner Minshew. The Jaguars are a team I enjoy. But I got to say, the Texans are about to kick the snot out of the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. The coach just got fired. Bill O'Brien is now gone. Houston is liberated. They're free. They're happy. And they're eager to show, hey, it was Bill O'Brien's fault, not the players, not us. They're going to show, hey, it was the coach, not us. They are going to be really fired up. They should win big. They're going to really bring it to the Jacksonville Jaguars, win by a lot. Watch for that game and watch the energy and effort Houston brings on Sunday against the Jaguars. Now, I expect the Cardinals to easily beat the Jets. The Jets are not only the worst team in football, also their quarterback Sam Darnold is out. He's not playing. Backup quarterback Joe Flacco is playing. Joe Flacco I was, I was talking to my dad about this. My dad's like, Joe Flacco's still in the league? I'm like, yeah, believe it or not, Joe Flacco is actually still in the NFL. And I don't think Joe Flacco even wants to play football. I think Joe Flacco wants a paycheck. I think he likes money. Uh, I don't have high expectations for the Jets or Joe Flacco at all. The Cardinals should win this game very easily. If they don't, something is very, very wrong. I believe the Rams are going to beat Washington. They're a much better all-around team. Sean McVay's offense is phenomenal. I'm curious. Here's a reason to watch this game, Washington versus the Rams. Washington is playing a new quarterback this week. They demoted and they benched quarterback Dwayne Haskins, their former, was it the number 17 overall pick, a first-round pick, a guy people were excited to watch, and he hasn't looked good. So they're playing Kyle Allen this week instead. He's a guy who is competent. He's not the best quarterback, but he's very, like, a flat-line, solid, okay guy, kind of a duct-tape quarterback where he's good enough for now. And he knows the system, I think, is going to play a lot cleaner, hopefully, than Dwayne Haskins. And I'm curious. Like, I don't know. The Rams will win. And even if the Rams win, which they should, the most interesting storyline in this game is how well does Kyle Allen, the backup quarterback, the now starting quarterback, and Washington play. Now, the Cowboys had better not lose to the New York Giants. The Giants are 0-4. The Cowboys are 1-3. and three. The game is in Dallas. The Cowboys are a way more talented football team. But Dallas has been so bad this year. Get this. Cowboy fans have been nice to me, which is like crazy. Normally, if you say that the Cowboys are terrible, you get hate and anger and arguing and vitriol and all kinds of stuff. Uh, last week, the Browns embarrassed the Dallas Cowboys. I said that. I said, hey, look, the Browns destroyed the Cowboys. They look bad. And for the first time in my entire life covering the NFL, and I've, I've done this now for a while, is that, like not years and years, but a couple years, this is like my fourth year covering the NFL, and <laughs> I have never once had, I've never once said anything negative about the Cowboys and had Cowboy fans not yell and argue with me. However, this time, universally, this poor, discouraged group of people just agreed with me and I, I have never seen that's how weird this year is 2020 is just crazy bizarre because I for the first time in my career said the Cowboys were bad and poor discouraged Cowboys fans agreed with me and I, I felt unsettled I'm like Cowboys fans what's going on are you guys okay like what's why are you guys angry with that and, and they I just ooh. so Dallas is better win 
on Sunday. If they don't, the problems are even deeper than we thought. Remember, the, the Giants lost their running back. They've got a new coach. They're learning a new system with a much younger, less experienced quarterback. Dallas has got to win on Sunday against the Giants. Now, the game you should watch this week, if you're a person going, hmm, I want to watch one game this week. I've got limited time. Here's the one game you should watch. It's the Colts at the Cleveland Browns. These are two teams that run the ball very well. The Colts have a very, very good defense. And so the question in this game is one thing. How will the Browns quarterback, Baker Mayfield, do when the Colts' defense takes away the Browns' running game, if that happens? How does Baker Mayfield respond when he needs to throw for first downs to win the game? I don't mean, like, and people misunderstood my comment last week. I said, how is Baker going to do when he needs to win a game with his arm? I'm not saying he needs to carry the team, but when on third and five, third and four, third and seven, repeatedly he's got to make throws to win on third down, can he do that consistently? I'm not talking one third down. I mean, can he do it ten times in a row against the Colts defense? Maybe can he do it five times even? I don't know. I know that in the past when Baker Mayfield has to throw the ball a lot, he throws interceptions. He just, I mean, the question going into this year was like, can he go a game without throwing an interception? I have no idea. So um, we'll see how Baker Mayfield does against the Colts defense on Sunday. That is the question and the fun narrative this week. It should be, I hope, for a fun, close, intense. It's definitely going to be a physical football game. Keep your eye on that game. The Steelers should easily beat the Eagles. The Eagles are banged up. They're very injured. I like the Steelers a lot. Big Ben looks really good. The Steelers look like a playoff team. And no one's really talking. Like, I don't I don't listen to the media at all. I really only go off of what people tell me and say to me. I've sensed no excitement from Pittsburgh fans, but I look at them and go, they're a playoff team. They look very, very good. They're playing very well. And uh, they should easily beat the Eagles on Sunday. The Bengals at the Ravens. I think the Ravens win. But Joe Burrow, the Bengals' rookie quarterback, is going to make it interesting. I mean, maybe, it could be, this could be a surprisingly, maybe, maybe, could be a surprisingly competitive football game. Remember last year, the Browns smacked the Ravens out of nowhere. I went, oh, the Ravens got their butts kicked by the Browns last year, just kind of on a random Sunday. And uh, this game's either going to be very, very close and interesting, or the Ravens are going to win by 40 points. I have no idea, um, but I'm hoping for the former. I really want to see... Joe Burrow have a good, interesting game against the Ravens' defense. And I don't know, man. Keep your eye on this game. It could be really fun. Uh, I'm definitely going to watch it, whether it's good or not, because I'm just curious how Joe Burrow does. Now, on Sunday night football, we have the Minnesota Vikings at the Seattle Seahawks. And the Seahawks are a much better football team. Um, the Vikings have struggled. They, I mean, they, they, they barely beat the Texans last week, and the Texans are a mess, and they played horribly. So... This is a chance for Russell Wilson to make a statement against a defense that's not great, but they are very well coached. And I believe this could be a defining moment early in the year for Russell Wilson to make his case for the NFL's MVP, where early in the year, can he take care of business and dominate the Vikings defense? That's what I'm curious to see from Russell Wilson on Sunday against the Vikings. Now, the Dolphins at the 49ers. The 49ers are expected to win, but the question is, how well do they run the ball? Because from the outside, a lot of people, I looked at like the, the percentage. It's, I mean, I think the 49ers are 89% expected to win this game. It's like crazy how high it is. But the Dolphins play a lot of man coverage. They play it very, very well. 
and the 49ers are banged up. The, I don't know who's going to play quarterback for the 49ers this week. And even if it's Jimmy Garoppolo, do you have a lot of confidence Jimmy Garoppolo can drop dime after dime after dime and beat man coverage? I don't, actually. So if the 49ers don't run the ball well, this could be an upset. I mean, the question is, how well can the 49ers offense run the ball? That's what this game really heavily depends on. And if the 49ers don't run the ball well, the Dolphins could get a surprising win. What else is now on the list? Uh, the Raiders. Oh, my gosh. The Raiders at the Chiefs. The Chiefs should win this game. Kansas City is a better team. Patrick Mahomes is awesome. But I, I'm telling you, every time I watch the Raiders, I'm impressed with their game plan. They keep having really good ideas after really good idea. I mean, John Gruden's doing a good job coaching that football team with smart game plans. They're still learning how to win. They keep making little mistakes. That's not a coaching. That's just like you can't have a, a fumble there or a misassignment there or this or that. But I am not certain that the Chiefs win this game as easily as some people think. Keep your eye on the Raiders. It could be interesting with the Chiefs on Sunday. Panthers, Falcons. Personally, I'm rooting for the, uh, for the Panthers. I really, it's very rare that I look at a team and go, I want them to win. I'm not a, a fanboy. I don't have a favorite team. It's kind of weird. People make fun of me for that. I just don't, I don't pick a team that I love. I don't. But I, I'm, I'm really partial to the Panthers. I love their coach. I love their owner. I love Teddy Bridgewater. I love what they're doing. They're 2-2. Two and two. This is a winnable game. So I'll be honest, I'm rooting for the Panthers in this game on Sunday. However, it, this is Matt Ryan, a veteran, really good quarterback against a young defense with a lot of rookies. And you have rookies guarding great receivers, Calvin Ridley. Um, Russell Gage is underrated. Julio Jones. Todd Gurley is a good running back. And the Falcons are also 0-4. They cannot afford to lose this game. So I'm going to pick the Falcons, but again, I'm rooting for the Panthers to win this game, and that's a rare thing. I don't normally say outright, I'm rooting for this team because I'm not normally rooting for any team. This time I am. I want to see the Falcons lose to the Panthers. That's not the right way to put that. Nothing against the Falcons. I just like the Panthers, and I would like to see the Panthers win this game. It'd be cool to see them go 3-2 and two at this moment of the year and have a lot of excitement and interest behind their new young coach. And uh, it might actually be good for the Falcons. If they go 0-5, they might get rid of Dan Quinn on the spot. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I think the Falcons win, but I'm rooting for the Panthers. Now, there are two games on Monday night. First of all, you have the Broncos at the Patriots. The Patriots should win this game easily. Really, no matter who plays quarterback for either team. Cam Newton got COVID. I think he's back. It looks like he's going to play. The Broncos quarterback, Drew Locke is questionable. He's got a shoulder injury. I'll be honest here. I don't really want Drew Locke playing in this game, not just because he's hurt and I don't want to see Drew Locke get hurt even worse, but there's another little nuance here that is very, very important. Bill Belichick's defense against young quarterbacks is a bad, bad idea. It's just a bad matchup that doesn't work. Young quarterbacks get embarrassed by Bill Belichick. Look at Sam Darnold. You know, was it last year? The I'm seeing ghosts game. I don't see any reason to ruin Drew Locke's confidence if you don't have to. I just There's no reason to play Drew Locke in this game. You're not playing for anything. You're probably not going to win a lot this year because of how many injuries you have. So I think the Patriots win no matter what. But I really, really want to say I hope that Drew Locke does not play in this game. There's no reason to play him. And Denver has like 100 people injured. They just are a team that has been decimated this year. And I got a question on Ask Zach. I'm going to answer this later too, but I want to be clear. 
here's what the Denver Broncos are playing for the rest of this year. They are playing for, I guess, they're trying to learn how to win together. They have a new offensive coordinator that I like, Pat Shermer. They are getting better at their scheme on defense. They're, this year is now about growth for the Denver Broncos, so they can win next year when they have everybody, everybody back and healthy. Um, keep your eye on that game, but the Patriots should win very easily. Now, the Chargers at the Saints. First of all, there's a question. This game might actually get moved because of a hurricane. It looks like it might actually happen in Indianapolis, which is crazy. I've never heard of that happening, where you play a game at a neutral site because of a hurricane. Like, wild 2020 is crazy. I think the Saints win this game. I also want to be clear. I see Justin Herbert, the Chargers rookie quarterback, having a big day. I think he's going to play phenomenal this week. And, uh... The Saints' defense has not been very impressive. Justin Herbert is very talented. I'm excited to watch him. Keep your eye on Justin Herbert this week. He could have a phenomenal, phenomenal day against the New Orleans Saints. And that's what I expect from him. I think he's going to be very good. And I, I'm excited to watch that. Now, on Tuesday night, we, I said I've never seen a, team, a game move to a neutral site. I think it happened like when Hurricane Katrina happened a couple times. Um, by the way, why is there a city in New Orleans? Like, Why is there a city... On the coast, that's literally lower than sea level. That's just a terrible idea. Like, geographically, I've never understood. Like, New Orleans is a city I want to visit because I think someday it's going to be underwater, literally. So, uh, And that happens historically. There are cities that are literally underwater now that used to be, uh, from like the 1700s, there are cities that are, are sunken now, that are not, the sea level rose and they fell into the water. I'm afraid that's going to happen with New Orleans someday. And uh, I just, that's weird. So another crazy thing, I've never seen this happen in the NFL. There's a game on Tuesday night. And it's a great matchup, by the way. It's the Bills at the Titans. And this is like a playoff game. I mean, the, uh, or maybe a playoff preview. Well, we're going to see two teams that are undefeated. The Titans are 3-0. and The Bills are 4-0. and I have no idea who's going to win. Josh Allen's awesome. Derrick Henry's fun to watch. The Titans are very, very good at so many things. They're just a solid, sound football team. And I want it to be close. I hope it is. And, uh, I mean, I... It's already fun because we've never seen a game on Tuesday night ever before. But it's going to be especially fun because I think it's going to be a close, interesting, fun game. I mean, the Titans haven't played in over a week. They're pent up. They're ready to go. The Bills are very good this year. Josh Allen's better. Bills, Titans, bang. It's going to be awesome. Keep your eye on that game. It should be a ton of fun. Guys, that's all I have. Uh, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll do Ask Zach. Got a lot of really fun interesting questions this week and uh yeah my name is Zach Schaumler I'll take a short break I will be right back all right let's jump back into things it's now time for my favorite part of the show ask Zach where we answer questions from the audience and by we I mean me uh in case you don't know how it works you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler you give a dollar a month you can give more if you want to please do it literally helps pay my rent um, but a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. Here's how it works. If you submit a question, I do not guarantee to read it on the show. I mean, that'd be mayhem. People send in some – I'm not saying people send in bad stuff, but if they did send in stuff and I did guarantee to read a question on the show, you never know what horrible stuff I'd be forced to read. That sounds like a bad idea. So my only guarantee is I look at everything sent in with my eyeballs. I pick the top couple. I read them either at the end of the show or sometimes I do an entire episode dedicated to Ask Zach when the backlog gets too big. I want to give you guys a shout-out, man. You guys sent in some phenomenal, phenomenal questions this week. I, uh, I was like, hey, can we, can we get more creative? Can we get a little bit better? And, hey, shout-out to you guys. You guys really did. I mean, I, 
I had to cut some questions and move them to the next episode because I had so many good, interesting questions I wanted to answer. I mean, I really like was like I, I some of them I had to do some research for, and I will. There's one effort about Arch Manning that I'm going to do hopefully tomorrow, um, where I'll talk about Arch Manning, the nephew of Peyton Manning. That'll be really really fun. I want to start with Landon. Landon writes in. He says. What was your favorite or least favorite lift? Squatting, benching, bicep curls. Uh, Landon, I loved squatting. I really loved uh, – front squats were actually my favorite. Like you did the crossbar. You know, you, you held the bar across and you did the squat, uh, front squat. I was really good at squats. Uh, if you see a picture of me standing up, I'm a very – I'm 5'11", but my lower body is just like thick and trunky, I guess, and built. My legs are uh, bigger than I deserve. Like I have huge calves. And – I hated bench press. I was really like, it's surprising how like, I, like what am I saying? Off. Most people you see it like people that work out. Their upper body's gigantic and they have these little tiny legs. I was always the opposite. My legs have been huge and thick and massive, and very strong, and my my upper body is just weak and tiny and like embarrassingly flimsy and small. And I, <laughs> just like I never, I don't know. I hated part of that is I I hated doing it. So like. It was like a self-fulfilling prophecy where I'm like, I hate doing bench because I'm so weak, and then I would never do more bench. And so another thing is I also did only close grip, meaning we had a special football bar where instead of holding your you know arm sideways, you turned your arm uh, so it's like, how do I – 90 degrees, I guess, and you're you're doing this kind of motion. If you're looking at the camera, I don't know how to explain it without you seeing it, but I would also do a lot of bar, dumbbell bench press instead. But I, I hated upper body stuff. I do a lot of push-ups now. That's kind of the only way I do upper body workouts at all. Uh, I'm glad to not be an athlete, not have to work out constantly all the time. I still squat, like, all the time. I do a lot of squat jumps now, lunge jumps. Uh, I just love doing lower body workouts. It's kind of weird. I know I'm, like, the only person in the world. But I, I've always hated doing bicep curls and upper body stuff and moving and doing lower body stuff. It's always been really fun for me. So I'm a weirdo. You guys all know that, though, so that's kind of my preference as a lifter. Not that I'm doing a lot of lifts now anyway. I do, like, plyometrics and body stuff where you don't have you know dumbbells and I don't have workout equipment because I can't go to the gym because there's a lockdown where I live. Now, Byron writes in. He goes, and he's got the emoji with the eyes looking like, I don't know how to, like, you know the eyes that are big and they look sideways like they're all slant. What are they? Shifty eyes maybe is what it's called. Byron says, got a different and difficult question for you, Zach. Would you rather go back to being a Seattle Mariners fan for the rest of your life? And then like a million uh, question marks. Or would you rather do SOS only using stats and no film for the rest of your life? So you have to choose one. P.S. I know you hate both, but I got to see which one you would pick, fam. Love the show. Keep it up. And then a thumbs up. Thank you, man. First of all, Byron, I, I appreciate your support. You're awesome. You mean a lot to me. Um, for me... And you might be surprised because it's a, it's an interesting question, but it's actually a very very easy choice. Despite the fact that I desperately hate the Seattle Mariners and I am spiteful and I hate them, and you would think that'd be a tough choice. It's actually very easy. I could see myself rooting for the Mariners again someday. Now I'd be spiteful. I'd probably be like the way Jets fans are, where Jets fans kind of hate their team but they root for them anyways, like they're emotionally invested. Uh, I made the choice when I was like 11 years old because of all the heartbreak and the fact that I, I've, not, I've told the story a lot, but I'll repeat it because I think it's interesting. And people, some people may not have heard it before. When I was like 11, I, 11 or 13, I can't remember the age exactly. I was a kid when Eric Bedard was traded for Adam Jones. 
And it was like my final straw where I was so tired of the bad trades and moves the Mariners kept making where good player after good player would leave the Mariners and get better. You know, Adrian Beltre, Raul Abanez, Unieski Betancourt, the shortstop, went to the Brewers and got better somehow. I'm like, how is this possible that every player we get rid of gets better? Oh, and by the way, <laughs> we're making bad, horrible, stupid trades. And Adam Jones was an incredible all-star for years with the Orioles. And I was like, what the heck were we thinking? Why would we do that? And from then on, I decided that we should not include me. I don't want to be associated with the Mariners anymore. I didn't support what they were doing. And I was like, I'm 13 years old or 11 or however old I was. And I'm like, you know what? I have no agency here. My only choice is whether I follow and support this team or not. And because I hate the moves they're making so bad, I'm not a fan. So spiteful and angry, I decided to not be a fan of Seattle Mariners. Now, you also would realize I also hate statistics. And not really that I hate numbers themselves. I hate the way people use statistics. People go, well, he's bad. He had five interceptions. So what if he threw five perfect passes that bounced off the receiver's face, went up in the air, and got intercepted? Is that the quarterback's fault? No, it's not. And most people that cover football especially. Football is one of the sports where that happens the most. People look at a box score and go, well, the team won 42 to 13. Quarterback had these numbers. And they just read you some numbers anybody can look up on the internet. And they didn't even watch the game. I go the opposite at the end of the spectrum. I do way more work because I watch almost every single football game every single week. I, I do so much work watching games. But it pays off because I, I think my insight is more nuanced and more detailed, and I understand what I'm talking about a lot more. Uh, I would never compromise my business. So would I choose to do stats all the time or be a Mariners fan? I'm going to be a Mariners fan. I, fine, I'll do that. 90% of the time I'm awake is spent working and doing my job because I love it, and it's fun, by the way. Uh, but Strong Opinion Sports is my baby. It's my heart and soul. I'm not compromising my show, like, ever at all. So I could root for the Mariners again. I would never, ever make a show just based on stats and not watching film and not watching football games. That sounds really, really terrible to me. And people, if you want that show, it already exists. Go watch most of ESPN. That's already what they do. So I'm good. I don't want to do that show. It already exists. I'm happy um, basing what I say off of what I see on film. You may not agree with what I see, and that's fine. But you can at least know if I talk about something— it's because I saw it with my own eyes. I put it through the Zach treatment, which is I watch a game. My brain rattles it around, and it spits out words. And when I put things through that treatment, I try to come up with something interesting and helpful, valuable insight. I'm not just some robot looking at my phone going, hmm, well, he had 357 yards and two touchdowns, but one interception. And that one interception, I'm going to hate on him forever. It's like, well, no, football's way more nuanced than that. Uh, and so I will never, ever become a guy who only relies on stats to talk about football. Now, I, I want to say one thing about stats because I hate on stats a lot. Uh, you, you guys may know I have a deep reverence for Brett Coleman. I think Brett Coleman is – he's made a great video where he's on camera a bunch talking about the Houston Texans. And there are very few videos or content creators on YouTube that suck me in and make me want to watch a bunch. I just I, – I'm not a guy that um, – I – I listen to like three podcasts. I don't really want to have any more podcasts in my repertoire. I listen to those. I'm happy. I'm very insular. I do my own thing. I have my own rhythm. And Brett Coleman is one of those few rare creators that can suck me into a video and make me want to watch the entire thing. So first of all, kudos to Brett. He's on camera more now. I like seeing his face. I know he's putting more effort into that. It's like 
you may not realize how much more effort it is to have to be on camera versus recording a voiceover. It's way harder. It's a ton of work. Brett Coleman, uh, shout out to you. You're awesome. You know, I'm, I love you, man. Uh, but what Brett does that I really, I think is valuable and I have great reverence for and great respect for is the way that Brett Coleman uses statistics because he uses advanced metrics and a lot of deep level analytics that are much more valuable than a completion percentage. He uses like adjusted completion percentage a lot. I would rather, I just don't go into that world. I don't even know where he finds his numbers. I think maybe pro football focus. I have no idea. I've never asked Brett the secrets to the trade that he does. Um, and I, I don't see myself ever being that guy. I would rather go when I watch, here's what I see rather than here's what the numbers tell me. It's just not who I am. But the way that Brett uses numbers is the correct way, in my opinion, to use numbers in football, where Brett uses valuable, helpful statistics that actually add insight rather than just kind of propping up a stupid number to make his point. Most people on ESPN and you know Fox Sports and stuff just say numbers that make their argument sound good. Rather, They build their argument around the numbers rather than building their argument around what they see on film and using numbers to back up their argument. Does that make sense? I just want to give credit where credit is due. The one person who uses numbers very, very well in the sports world that I've seen is Brett Coleman. Credit to Brett. He's great. But I never see myself becoming a stats person that uses numbers very often. And uh, and by the way, if anyone – I hope nobody thinks I'm taking a shot at Brett because Brett is I, – like I I know when someone's smarter than me. And I, I think that's – my goal is to be interesting. I'll never be the smartest person talking about football. I just honestly – uh, and Brett knows way more about football than I do. He he says stuff. I go. I I could never tell you why that right guard's technique was wrong. I just I know quarterbacks very well. I know a lot of skill positions very well. He knows nuance to football that I don't ever know. And so I I'm just saying that Brett's use of stats are great and well done. He uses stats to augment his film videos rather than relying and leading on stats. Some people on ESPN lean on stats and it's a mess. So my long rambly answer is to say. I'm never going to become the stats guy. I would much rather just be a fan of the Mariners if given that choice and having you know, a gun to my head telling me, pick one. So that's what I would do. Uh, Drew writes in. Jeez, was that only two questions? Oh, my gosh. We're running so long in this episode. Uh, Drew writes in. He says, let me find it. Hey, Zach. No, actually, I'm going to start with a comment. First of all, I, I want to read a comment from Connor. Connor writes in. He says, hey, Zach, I love your content, man. Keep up the grind. I love you as a person and listen to your F1 content, even though I don't understand it at all. That's awesome, by the way. Uh, anyway, I wanted to say I'm 17 years old, and in March, my dad passed away. I wanted to thank you for helping me through some tough times, man. So I wanted to read that. Connor, I want you to know, first of all, I'm, I'm so glad and grateful you listened to the show. I want to say I, I appreciate you um, saying that you love me as a person. It means a lot to me. I really... I know I'm not the smartest person talking about football. I'm not the richest or the most successful or the – maybe I'm the most Hawaiian shirt person out there. I don't know. I, but there's a lot of people out there that cover sports, and I, I know that my – I hope that my edge is that I'm the most authentic. I really try hard to be um, the most honest and open about who I am and share the highs and the lows and the, the human aspect of this stuff. So, I, Connor, I, I appreciate he getting a little bit of recognition, and uh, I feel appreciated as a, a person when you say that. It means a lot to me. Um, I'm glad you're watching my F1 content. I I don't think you need to be a gigantic fan of F1 or know a lot about the sport to enjoy the the right the storytelling you can get out of that. If that makes sense, I I think you can become a fan of the sport without knowing a lot about it. I guess is my point there. Um, you said your dad passed away in March, and so 
It sucks, man. I, I don't know. I just, that's terrible. My, uh, my dad and I are very, very close. I talk to my dad almost every single day. I have no idea what I would do if my dad passed away. It's just terrible. Uh, I just, I feel for you. That's terrible. I, I do, I want to say that I hope that the show can, you say it helps you through some tough times. I know I got a lot of podcasts that have been like that for me. Uh, my brother died four years ago. And I, that's when I discovered podcasts. My brother had a podcast he just loved. There was a guy named Colin Moriarty on it. And that podcast was the thing that um, made me want to even make podcasts. I really, really like uh, Colin's my dude. I, I really like his content. And my brother was a huge fan of his. And so that's why I do all this is because of my brother's death. It got me into podcasts. It made me want to do that. You may not know my brother actually wanted to do a podcast with me. And I never did it. And then he died. And I started one because I really wanted to honor him. And then I turned you – know, I just loved it. I fell in love with the whole platform and the whole um, – I fell in love with making content. I love it so much. I I hope that the show can, not just for you, Connor, but for other people out there, 2020 has been crazy and awful, and I, I hope that my show can um, be a distraction and be a, a, a positive moment in people's week. I know that I sports for me are an escape, and I have no shame in saying that. I, I, I don't want to focus on politics or focus on stuff going on in the world. It makes me incredibly depressed and incredibly sad. And I, there are so many problems around the world I feel powerless to fix. And that's – it's terrible. And I, I know that sports bring me joy, and I love talking about them. And that's, that's my escape from reality and my escape from world, the world. And I hope that um, my show can be that for other people too. I, that's part of why I have regret. I did that Bears topic last week about my – conspiracy theory about the bears and the more i did research the more i just think i sound like an idiot a little bit and i don't my biggest regret there though is that i try to keep big real world stuff out of my content because i don't want to i don't want my content to make people feel stressed or um i i don't want the real world in my content very much i just don't and i know that um i don't know i just i wonder if that was a good move or not it i did it it's over i can't take it back I, i'm a person who makes mistakes and i'm not he- perfect but I, uh, I guess my last thing to say, Connor, man, I, my advice to you, and if you want it, I, I don't know if you do, but I'm going to say this because, you know, four years ago, my younger brother took his life. He died. And your dad died. And death is one of those things that it's just awful. There's no real good. There's not really any, like, silver. Like, it's hard to be like, well, you know, I, people used to tell me, well, everything happens for a reason. And I honestly wanted to give those people a gigantic punch in the face. Like, F that. I don't think there's any reason why my brother had to die. It's not fun. Uh, there's no good answer there. But I will say that I, I hope I've used my brother's death to become a stronger, better, more thoughtful, more caring, more empathetic person. Uh, I look back at who I was in high school and go, I was kind of a kind of a dick, kind of a jackass, like not a person I'm super proud of. And I I hope I've become more empathetic and have a, a better heart and a, a I'm more caring and I. I think going through my brother's death, there's, it's not, I would never, I don't want that to happen. I would never say, like, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. But it's also been something I've tried to use to become a better person. And so I hope, Connor, you can do that with your dad's death. Um, but it just, my heart goes out to you. That's really awful. And I'm, I'm sorry for you. Um, Drew, I, thank you for listening, man. Thanks for watching. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, and everybody out there, too, I hope it's clear. I, I really am, I love my life, like, so much. And I am, I'm looking at moving somewhere soon that's going to, I think, bring a lot of joy to my life. Um, it's not going to, like, 
I'm moving somewhere then, and I don't think moving somewhere is going to solve all my problems. I don't have a lot of problems. I'm actually pretty happy, but I know that I have a vision for my life and where I want to go. And uh, the show makes that possible to be able to move away and get away from the area where I live is getting, it seems like it's getting worse and worse and worse. And I don't want to be here anymore. And I have the uh, availability. It seems like eventually to move away from here. And that, that's so cool. And that's because of you guys. And it means a lot to me. So um, I've been saving up for quite a few months, trying to get a, a chunk of change so I can use it to move away. And I, I just appreciate that. I, I means a lot that you guys watch and listen. And I, I just, uh, I'm so grateful for your support and grateful for the fact that you listen on Patreon. And it means a lot to me. So thank you so much, Connor. Thank you. Uh, I'm praying for you. I don't pray, but I, I don't really have it. I don't want to go there, but I, I, I hope you're doing well. And I, I just, I'm thinking about you and your dad and, um, hope you're good. Drew writes in, says, Hey Zach, longtime fan since your Manziel analysis from last year. Keep up the good work, and I'm happy that you seem like you're in a better place mentally compared to back then. Relating to that, how do you feel about your presentation changes over the course of SOS so far? Are Hawaiian shirts here to stay for the rest of the time? I guess it just says the rest of time. So, uh, first of all, Drew, I made that Manziel video in my college dorm room back in the day. The audio, by the way, is really echoey. I think it was on a white background, like just a solid white wall. Um, now I have my own place. I live in my own place uh, that I rent out and I, um, I use the master bedroom as a studio. I have my own studio, which is pretty crazy and cool. My humble little studio. I have a plastic table that I record on and uh, I got a curtain behind me. And I, I gotta say, I, some people hate on my set sometimes. And I, I honestly strongly disagree with people that don't like the way I record the show. Uh, I love it. I love the curtains behind me. I know that they're boring. That's kind of intentional. I don't think I want a crazy visual presentation. Um, I don't need to be in a high rise in New York flexing on the fact that I have a river view. I don't need that. I, I first of all, I don't have that. I don't. I, I just uh, the curtains are cheap and they're simple. And the point of this show is what I'm saying. This is a podcast. This is a the ideas coming out of my mouth are what I hope is the the central focus of this show. I wear a Hawaiian shirt because it's comfortable and because it stands out well good on the background, and, and I like it. It's who I am. Uh, are Hawaiian shirts here to stay? I hope so. I'm looking for more. I mean, the parameter of what shirt I wear on the podcast is uh, pretty limited because I like I want a shirt that's comfortable, that is not super sweaty or hot, um, that I is colorful because it stands out on the background. That's a tough ask, and so... Um, I mean, that's why I wear so many duplicates. People are like, well, why do you wear the same shirt every episode? I have five of these shirts now, by the way. And I, I literally couldn't find it anymore. I had to go to Ross, and it's the only place I found the shirt. And I went to, like, multiple Rosses to find this exact shirt in my area. This shirt you can't buy online. I'll never find it again. I'm very sad about it. I've tried very hard to do that. Um, but it's because there, there's very rarely a shirt I wear that I go, this is what I want to wear on the podcast. I love it. Now, my background, I think that uh, the curtains, they're cheap, they're simple, they're great. That was my girlfriend's idea. Um, she's not here, but that's where she sits when we do work in the office. Uh, and I, I genuinely like it. I think it's a good answer. One of my favorite things I do on the show is that when a coach gets fired, I make it look like a coach peering out from behind the uh, behind the curtains to make it look like they're like, the curtain's closing on that coach. And I kind of hate the disdain. People are like, you should have a better studio. Look, I'm not a former NFL player with 15 employees and millions of dollars behind me. I don't have a gigantic – It's, I'm not jealous of that person. And that person actually follows me on Instagram. He's a really good guy. But I, I don't have the resources some people have, and I think it's a bit ridiculous, the expectation. Like, 
why don't you have a crazy dope set? It's like, well, this is what I, first of all, what I like and my speed and what I'm happy with. I also don't have the resources to make a gigantic, crazy, impressive set. I have enough to do what I do, and I, I like it. I'm happy with that. It's enough. And again, even if I had better resources and a gigantic deal with a huge company, I think I'd still have something kind of like this because this is who I am as a person. It's simple. It's uh, laid back, and that's what I am, and it's what I try to be. And so um, I don't see this changing. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to move it, moving at some point. I'm really excited about a move I'm going to make hopefully next year. Uh, to a place I really want to go badly. And uh, even when I move and I have a new place that I can change the studio background, I'm probably going to keep the curtains because I like it and that's good enough for me and that's what I, I like. And maybe maybe someday down the road it'll be better and cooler, but I like the lo-fi, low-key you know, approach I have now with my presentation. It's good enough for me. And uh, again, the focus of this show are the words being said and the ideas shared from guests and from myself and from the audience sending in questions. So uh, this show is about ideas, not about the visual presentation. So um, I'm very, very happy with the way things look and the way things sound, and they're good enough for me. Steven writes in, fun one here. Steven says, hey, Zach, a lot of love from the UK. Simple question, in order, if you had to pick right now, Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald, and Khalil Mack, one, two, and three, how would you rank them and why? So Miles Garrett, if you don't know, is the Browns defensive end, former number one overall pick. He's phenomenal. Aaron Donald is the Rams defensive tackle. And Khalil Mack is a defensive end for the Chicago Bears. How would I rank them? So actually, this, this was fun to think about, a fun exercise. And I want to be clear about something. One, two, and three. These are like splitting hairs, like or maybe like splitting atoms. Like It's incredibly close between Khalil Mack, Donald, uh, Aaron Donald, and and Miles Garrett. I think the biggest diff gap is between one and two, actually. If, and, and I'm going to answer this question as if I was building a team. Who would I want to have the most? Um, and there's some factors in there that are not just like, who's the best player? So I, I'm going to do it that way. If I was building a football team, the number one player I would want out of these three is Aaron Donald. Absolutely Aaron Donald. He neutralizes the run game. He Because he's so good inside, he actually makes the defensive ends even better coming off the edge. Uh, something I learned from Brett Coleman I really appreciate is Brett Coleman pointed out the way that an interior defensive lineman really can impact a defensive tackle. Look at Demarcus Lawrence on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of why he's got low production right now is the Cowboys don't have a very good defensive tackle helping him out. And Aaron Donald can make both guys on the outside look way, way better because of how good he is inside. Uh, by the way, can stop the run. But Aaron Donald's also a surprisingly, shockingly good pass rusher for a defensive tackle. It's very, very rare to find a guy who's a run stuffer who can also get after the quarterback and get a lot of sacks. Aaron Donald is crazy versatile. He's one of a kind. He works hard. He's a great leader. I 1,000% would pay a ton of money to get him on my football team. And if you asked me, like, I remember a couple, was it two years ago now? When Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack got massive contracts back-to-back, -back, I think Aaron Donald's contract is simply better because of the impact he has on so many more aspects of the game and more people around him. Aaron Donald is probably a defensive player I would take over almost anybody in the NFL. I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking of who I would rather have on my football team if I had a number one overall a defensive pick in the NFL. Like if someone said, pick any defensive player throughout the league, who would you want? I honestly think Aaron Donald is my number one overall pick. I really love Aaron Donald. 
I, I think he's so underrated, even in spite of the fact he's, like, incredible, and people know he's incredible. So Aaron Donald is the guy I would put number one on that list. Number two would be Miles Garrett. Look, again, it's like splitting hairs between Miles Garrett and Khalil Mack. The reason why I like Miles Garrett is because he's younger. He's destroying one-on-one matchups. Uh, that puts Khalil Mack at number three. It's also close, though. Based on the first couple weeks, Miles Garrett is doing a better job. He's a bigger challenge, I guess, in pass pro. Like, he really is destroying people in one-on-one matchups. And, uh, I don't know, he's barely... The league is barely caught on to how good Miles Garrett has very quickly become. And you see, when you watch Khalil Mack, I watch him on Thursday Night Football, people understand you can't leave Khalil Mack in a one-on-one situation. The league is caught up to Khalil Mack. They're giving him the respect he deserves. Miles Garrett... People are still catching up to, oh, you literally cannot leave him one-on-one with anybody. He will destroy you and sack the quarterback. We saw the Dallas Cowboys learn that very quickly. Uh, actually, they didn't learn that. They just were an example of, hey, don't leave him one-on-one. They, the Cowboys never made an adjustment to do better blocking uh, Miles Garrett, not putting him in one-on-one opportunities. So because the league hasn't caught up to Miles Garrett, he gets better opportunities. So I would take Miles Garrett, number two, Khalil Mack, number three, but that's like it's so close. It's like splitting atoms. It's ridiculous how difficult of a call that would be. But number one, Aaron Donald. I'm above everybody else. Aaron Donald is by far uh, the guy in the league. I, if I'm building a defense, he's the number one guy I pick probably, as I say it out loud, he's the number one guy in the, across the league I would pick above everybody else. I love Aaron Donald. Uh, he has such a big impact. He impacts your 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 cornerbacks and your, your, what do you call the, the secondary where he makes, I don't know why I blanked on that word for a second, but he makes it because the quarterback has to get rid of the ball quickly. Your secondary benefits, your defensive ends benefit, your linebackers benefit. Cause if they miss a gap, Aaron Donald swims and he's right there making a tackle. Anyway, Aaron Donald has a profound impact on a football game and much more than almost any other defensive lineman in the entire NFL. The next question is from clutch God. This is a fun one. I like it. Clutch God says, hey, Zach, what avatar the last Airbender characters do you think would make the best NFL quarterbacks? I think Sokka and Katara would both be great, and the Zulu would be entertaining for sure. But what do you think? So uh, I would want Zuko at quarterback and Uncle Iroh as my head coach. Now, to be clear, and you're only going to get this if you watch Avatar The Last Airbender. I would want Zuko from the final episode of the show. Zuko, who has been through pain and then learned from it. I love Zuko. That's exactly who I would want to be my quarterback. Zuko is my favorite character in that show. He's why I watch the show. Zuko made me cry watching Avatar The Last Airbender. Got no shame saying that. Uh, He's talented. He's smart. He's wiser. I like the edge he has. He's got some rage. I think it's actually having an edge like that where you're like, hey, sometimes you got to just say F you and get to the point and be a little bit aggressive, and he's got that. Uh, and I, Azuko, who's learned from his mistakes and learned from the pain he's been through, that's the guy I want as my quarterback, bar none, just as a human being. And uh, Zuko, if there's, I don't think there's a lot of characters. I would not want Aang as my quarterback. He's, he's, I think, weak and soft, and um, I don't, I don't, I don't think Aang is an impressive, great leader. Zuko is a guy I follow that dude into battle. And that's kind of what football is sometimes, is a battle. And there's not a lot of characters. I look at Avatar Las Airbender and go, that's a leader I want as my quarterback. Zuko was one of the rare people, shockingly. Don't watch season one and come to that conclusion. But 
by season four at the end, you go, yeah, Zuko's the guy I would want leading my football team. His ego is put aside. He understands his place. He is. He gets it. He everything about Zuko. That's the guy I want leading my football team as a quarterback. The next question is from Bert Macklin. I love it. I don't know if that's your real name. I doubt it, but I love it so much. He says, hey, Zachy Robinson, this isn't really a question, more of just something I wanted to say. But there are many people out there who don't understand why people love baseball. I haven't really played baseball since Little League, but I've been on a few teams here and there. Sadly, that most of the teams I've played on have had issues, not having enough players, getting canceled due to the virus. But I believe that having played the game of baseball makes you love the sport so much more. It's sort of hard to explain. But being a part of a baseball team and playing the game is just so enjoyable in a way that many people who haven't played baseball don't understand. I know this was a question, but feel free to let me know your thoughts as I'm sure you can relate to this. So I played baseball. I thought it was a I, – I love pitching a lot. Pitching in baseball is my favorite thing. You're on the mound. It's You pretty much control the entire game, by the way. Quarterbacks and pitchers have so much more power in sports than almost anybody else. Um I, I love dude, the feeling of striking another human being out. Like, <laughs> it's so much fun. You're like, you're like I, I beat that effort. I beat that guy. He's now on the bench because I struck him out. It's a, a priceless feeling. Or like, when you, I was, my best pitch, I never had a very strong arm. I always had an okay arm. But I was so accurate with the baseball. I literally could find that outside bottom right corner, like, better than anybody else. When you could paint the corners, which I could as a pitcher, I love doing that. And then it was really fun when you would throw corner, corner, corner. And maybe one's called the ball. It's two and one or, you know, three and one or whatever. What am I saying? It's a one and two count where you got a ball and two strikes. And then you throw that high and inside ball. You jam the batter. They have a hard time pulling the bat through. They miss or they foul. I, I love playing with the batter when you're pitching is so much fun. I'll be honest, though. I, I stopped playing baseball in high school. Uh, I moved high schools. I had a hard time batting. I never. I loved pitching. I hated batting. Uh, and part of that, part of why I hated baseball, though, and this is a, and if I could go back, I would. I think I would be a lot less scared of batting because I think part of it was this moment. You know, I, I quit baseball before I really became a, a quarterback. And as a quarterback, you have thousands of people watching you. The lights are on. You're the center of attention. And that scared me in baseball. I hated being the center of attention. And then in football, I basked in it. I was okay. I was fine. Like, I was very comfortable in that moment. So I think if I could have gone back and played more baseball, I would have been okay being the center of attention, batting. But I hated out. There's all this pressure to do certain things. People are telling you constantly to make tweaks. And I'm like, shut up. Let me do my thing. Like, I hated the, the pressure of batting. It really got to me in my head. It's very funny how that works. Uh, but also, part of why I hated baseball is I hated my teammates as a kid. Uh, I loved the sport of baseball. Pitching's incredible. I think I'd be a lot more confident batter now because I wouldn't care as much. But and it's funny, like I, I quit baseball right as I kind of came into my own as a human being. Like I, by my senior year, especially now, I don't care. I'm very confident in who I am. I'm comfortable. Uh, I'm the guy at the store that's like loud and annoying wearing Crocs because I'm like I don't. These are strangers. Why do you care what they think about you? It doesn't matter. Um, but I know that my teammates in baseball as a kid were very broy and annoying. And, you know, hanging out in the dugout wasn't fun. It wasn't – I know a lot of people, when they talk about baseball, they're like, man, I had a good time with my friends. And I wasn't friends with the people on my baseball team. I actually hated them. They were, like, fratty, 
and broy and kind of bullies and annoying and they're all I mean every, everybody I was insecure everybody on that team was insecure always making fun of each other and like I, I just I didn't like it I didn't want to go to their birthday parties I didn't want to hang out with them I didn't like them as human beings and so um, I just it's sad because I think if I'd been on a team with people I liked I would have enjoyed it way more and I'm I'm not a loser like I at least I wasn't in high school I was starting quarterback on my high school football team I dated a cheerleader um, I. But I hated the way that, like, the, quote, cool kids acted. And I guess I – some it's funny, you know, later in life I dated a girl, and they're like, you're dating Zach, the quarterback. And I'm like, I, I never thought of myself that way. But um, I I never considered myself one of the, quote, cool kids, those kids who had the nice car and the, the girlfriend and went on vacations. And uh, that sounds like just the rich kids, I guess. But I, I hated the, the cool kid attitude. I'm like, I don't – why is there this clickiness? Why is there this idea that you have to act a certain way – to be cool. It's annoying and dumb. And I'm not a bro. I'm, I never, I don't party. I don't really drink. Uh, I hated frat parties in college. I think there are people out there that want someone who's broy. That's not me. I'm an introvert who loves sports. And so um, I never, I, ne- I think part of why I quit baseball is I simply hated the people I was around. I didn't want to be around that or be a part of the, the dugout. I just didn't like the people. And I wonder if, um, yeah, I don't know. I just wasn't, a, I, I, I notice a lot in sports. There's a lot of people I just don't connect with, and that's uh, it's kind of freeing to say that. But I don't have to. I'm I'm now a professional. I work alone. I'm very happy with that. There are simply people out there I don't want to see. I don't want to hang. Like you, you're not going to like everybody, and that's okay. And not everybody's going to like me. And so I think part of my problem with baseball was I was paired up with people I didn't like, and it kind of ruined the sport for me a little bit. Um, I know that man. I, I would love to play like adult softball sounds so much fun. Like I, I know in the Midwest as a kid, I, I lived in Minnesota for a while. My dad used to play softball with his friends. I'm like, I, can I do that? Like, that sounds like actually a great time where me and all my friends, like actually just go play like softball and hit home runs and drink a beer and hang out. Sounds like a blast. Um, but I never got that fun hangout experience in baseball as a kid. And that's disappointing, but it's honest and it's true. So Bert, I, I'm glad you enjoyed baseball with your teammates. I never did. Um, and, and hope it's clear. I don't think I'm better than those guys. I just didn't connect with them. They just were, they were always grabbing you and like doing the nipple like twists or the, they were very touchy and annoying. And I, I just was like, I don't, I'm not, I don't think you're funny. I don't want to joke with you. I don't, I didn't like them. And I, we didn't vibe as people and they, they all hung out in high school and I just went my own way and hung out with different people because I didn't like them as people. So, um, kind of ruined baseball for me a little bit. If you don't like the people you're with, it's a huge disadvantage in the sport of baseball because of how much downtime and how much simple just hanging out there is. So, yeah. Bert, I hope I answered your question uh, the way you liked. I got an exciting question here next. Uh, I need some water because I talked for a long time there. Carter writes in. Carter says, Carter says, I know you already gave hockey a try and it didn't work for you. And to be clear, I tried to cover and follow hockey. I love the sport of hockey. And I, I hope it's clear. Like Game 7, Stanley Cup Finals, I'm there. I want to go to a Bruins game someday. I think hockey, like, and I, specifically the Boston Bruins, I'm not from the area at all. I live in the West Coast. But I, Boston, Chicago, there's a couple arenas in hockey that are just crazy and rowdy and loud, and I'd love to be there. Now, he says, if someone with an established hockey podcast reached out and wanted to join the Strong Opinion Sports brand, what would you do? I know you like keeping everything in your voice and opinion, but I'm curious if your partner, if you would partner with another person. 
And then he says in parentheses, I do not have a hockey podcast I'm trying to link you with. I'm just curious. Um, th- thank you for that, by the way. I, I don't know. Um, so number one, I, I think people don't realize I have other podcasts. I have a podcast called the Flawed Humans Podcast. Uh, my girlfriend edits it. We do it right here. She sits there. I sit here. We talk about life, and it's way more general than just sports. Uh, I also have a podcast called Desperately Dating, where I do a podcast about dating, literally, with my stepmom. And it's super fun, and it's quirky and interesting, and I enjoy it. I'm also starting a podcast in February about movies. I got a fun title about that. Uh, it's going to be it's gonna play off of what I do with football. Really, really fun podcast there. I'm excited. I love making content, and I do a lot of content. But I also am not the ringer. I'm not Barstool Sports. I am one human being and one person. And I'm not going to put my name on something I'm not directly, I'm not directly involved with, if that makes sense. Uh, how, so I guess, no, I'm never going to do a partnership with another person called themselves Strong Opinion Hockey or something, nothing like that. Um, although that might be a good title. If you want to do that, you should. That's actually a good name for a, a brand if you ever want to do that. Um, here's how I would cover hockey. And I, if anybody listening either has a hockey podcast or knows of a hockey podcast that is good and interesting and send it my way. I'll look at it and give it like vet it and check it out for information. But I, I would love to cover hockey this way where I have a weekly guest and you know, they have their own hockey platform, whether it's a podcast or a show or whatever. And they would come on my show as a guest. We'd talk about hockey. Uh, They would also promote their show. Say, Hey, my name is Zach Schaumler with the, my name is, you know, say, Doug Niffelhofer, I have a hockey podcast, and I, I'm here from Strong Opinion in Hockey, and uh, let me, let's me let talk about hockey, right? We talk about hockey. It'd be fun. be interesting. Uh, now, I would have to like and respect their work. That is a tough ask because there's not a lot of people. When I look around the sports world, there's a lot of people, and I, I'm not trying to be pretentious, but there are people out there that go, I don't like your podcast. I don't like your work. I'm not interested in working with you. Um, a lot of people like that out there. Um, but it sounds fun to me to have someone come on my show. And talk about hockey. Because I love hockey. I legitimately, I used to go as a kid to games. They're fun. They're exciting. Uh, I also just have no idea how to cover it, how to follow it. It's too busy. It's hard to find. I'm covering other stuff often. It makes me kind of sad because I, it feels like something missing in my life where I, I want to find a way to follow hockey. But I need to have someone else simplify it for me. And I, honestly, I'm never going to watch enough games to really say anything comprehensive about it. But I do know that if I had a weekly interview or weekly conversation with an expert where I could say, hey, who is the, who is the leader in the MVP race? What's the MVP even called? Because I know it's some weird name. What team looks really good? How are the Coyotes doing? How's this? How's that? How's the new franchise in Seattle doing? Who fired their coach? That'd be fun to talk about, to do like 30 minutes a week with a guest to talk about hockey. I, I would love that. Um, and if there's a hockey guest out there or a person who knows hockey really well, uh, and they want to just maybe their only content is literally my weekly segment. I have no idea. I'm spitballing here, uh, but if I could ask somebody questions and you know about what I'm interested in regarding hockey, it'd be really fun. I think it'd be interesting. I think it'd be good content. I think because I am not a fan of hockey, uh, what am I? Well, how? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm a fan of hockey because I don't follow hockey vigorously. I think I could actually ask questions that a general normal human being who doesn't watch every hockey game would be curious about uh i could speak for the audience a little bit grill an expert have a good time with that it'd be really fun for me honestly so i would love to do that i'm literally trying to speak this into existence actually as i say this out loud if anybody out there wants to be on my show weekly talk about hockey hey hit me up 
I'll check you out. If, if I reject you, please don't be offended. I, there, there's a lot of people out there. I don't like their content. So uh, if you have the stones, and honestly, I hope you don't reach out to me. I hope other people send me someone else who has a platform. I can then reach out to that human being. That sounds a lot better to me. I hate rejecting other people. It's not fun. Um, but yeah, I if I can do that, I would actually really love to cover hockey once a week that specific way. They come on my show. I ask them questions. It'd be interesting. It'd be fun. I would love it. Uh, if we can make that happen, hit me up. Especially, I don't know if I have a bigger platform than that other person about hockey, but if I do, they could use my platform to leverage their own podcast. They win. I get. To, I get. To, I have fun talking about hockey. They win because they get free promotion. I. I don't know if that's crazy. I've never. I haven't talked to my dad about this. My dad's kind of my brand bulldog. I've never shared anybody with this idea with anybody, but it sounds fun to me. And if that sounds fun to anybody else. Give me feedback. Let's talk about it. Should be fun. Could be interesting. Uh, let me know what you think about my idea of how to cover hockey in my own weird, strong opinion sports, unique style. Joey has the final question of the day. Joey says, good morning, good afternoon, hello, Zach. First time Patreon question here. Thanks for be- bringing consistently great content in such an inconsistent time. As a Bronco fan, this has been a very depressing month. What is your opinion on the best way a coach or GM could rally a team from devastating injuries such as our case? The one bright spot I see in our season so far is Jerry Judy. What are your thoughts on his first month in the NFL? Thanks again, and don't forget to take care of yourself. Joey, thank you. I appreciate your support. Um, The Broncos season now is all about improvement. I mean, if you're a Bronco fan, I feel bad for you because everybody got injured. Like all your a bunch of your starters got hurt, uh, even your starting quarterback. Now, if you're a coach, how do you motivate them? Well, it's pretty easy to motivate them. You say, this is your job. you got to bring high-level effort or else we're going to fire you or we're not going to give you a new contract. You literally are working to earn money. So motivation in the NFL is much easier than in other places around the world uh, or other places regarding football. Like if you're, a, if, you're all your, if you're in high school football and you only play for fun and everybody gets hurt and you're like a right tackle, you're like, I don't care anymore. I'm just sad and depressed. Um, Unless you're working for a scholarship, then that's a little bit different too. But usually you have a reason to play. The reason to play in the NFL is to make money, but also to get better. This year is about growing as a team. There's a lot of things that I believe the Broncos have gotten right. Jerry Jude is a great draft pick. KJ Hamler's coming back. I think Drew Locke is a young quarterback developing. These young players have to learn how to play together, how to manage everybody. I mean, this year, actually, the pressure's off, thank goodness, because Denver can actually go, well, now. We can tweak little things and play around. And Pat Shermer can go, how do we use both running backs? we got two good running backs, Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. How do we manage them? We'll find out. That'll be fun and interesting. Um, you can experiment a little more. This year is about learning to play together and perfecting your craft. And actually, that's really, really good. Because next year, when everybody gets healthy and is back, the Broncos want to be able to make a deep run. They have the capability to do that. They're a very quality football team. And because of this year with everybody injured, it actually is kind of a benefit where they can say, well, hey, let's figure out how to win together. I feel very good about that. I actually like that. Um, And uh, that's what I want to see moving forward for the Denver Broncos is them learning how to play together as a football team. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. That's all I have for today. Uh, my timer says an hour 20 or says hour 31. My guess is the show will be in an hour 20, depending on, I have no idea. We'll find out. I don't know what's going to happen when I edit the show, but, um, we'll see. 
And I love you. Hope you have a great day. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are done.